Welcome to the sermon podcast of Midway Christian Church. We're a Disciples of Christ congregation located in Midway, Kentucky. You're always welcome to join us in person or follow us on Facebook or YouTube. Our scripture this morning comes from the prophet Amos and the Gospel of Matthew. The prophet Amos tells us, Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 29 offers us this. Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Since we are talking about justice and liberation this Sunday, I decided to go back and review a former sermon that I did about a year and a half ago. It was part of a series which is and was based on this particular text from the prophet Amos. And I thought it might be interesting to see how far we have come as a community of faith in our conversation about justice and liberation. I thought it might be interesting to see if these words of the prophet Amos, which was said over 2,000 years ago, if after a year and a half they have taken root within us, after spending six weeks exploring and discussing them and inviting their words to challenge and transform us, I thought it might be interesting now a little over a year or so later to see where we stand as a community of faith in our conversation, in our practice of justice and liberation, to see how we relate to this particular text a year and a half later. The good news is we are further along in our conversations about justice and liberation than we were a year ago. During this past year, we've decided to be very intentional about becoming an anti-racist and a pro-reconciling community of faith. Over the last year, we've gathered for book studies which focused on this work. We listened to voices of authors who do not look like us, who have brought new ideas and thoughts to us as a predominantly white community of faith. During the last year, we invited speakers to help us explore Midway Christian churches, to help us explore Kentucky's history of racism, helping us bring to light how our very own community of faith supported the system of racism in explicit and implicit ways. During the last year, we also named the difficult realities of racism and injustice, which still stand within our community, within our state, within our nation and our world. Realities before our intentionality of becoming an anti-racism, pro-reconciling community of faith. Realities that we just decided or pretended that didn't exist or pretend that it didn't affect us at all. During this last year, we named the harsh truth that we did this ignoring and pretending 
to help us remain comfortable because it was easier for us and per se that it didn't involve us. But we realized that what happens out in the world causes ripple effects within our very own community. That's the good news right there. The bad news is we are not there yet. We are still not a fully anti-racism, pro-reconciling community of faith. Even after spending a year in conversation, we know that we are not there yet. Because that's what our conversations were. Simply conversations gathered around the table. They didn't push us to make a difference. They didn't push us to make the world more equitable for all of God's people. These conversations didn't challenge us to go out into the community and make justice for all of God's people. Instead, sometimes when we were gathered around the table reading our books, having them out in front of us, we would simply say and shake our heads, that's really sad. And I didn't know that existed and then we leave for the night and move on with our lives. Even after spending a year of naming the racism that Midway Christian Church, naming the, pa the past and our racism that is a part of that past, we still haven't figured out what to do with this knowledge. Because it's just that. It's knowledge for us. We know what has happened in our past, yet we haven't made reparations for any of it in any shape, way, or form. We can say that our eyes have been open to the injustices in our midst, but we aren't necessarily engaged actively in dismantling the systems that support them, that bring to light the truth that we are held accountable for our actions and our support explicitly and implicitly in these systems that still perpetuate racism in our community, in our state, in our nation, in our world. The truth is we are not there yet. We are still not a community which can call ourselves an anti-racist, pro-reconciling community with any full support. We are no, we are not there yet. As I went back and reheard some of these words that I shared, reread some of these words that I shared a little over a year ago, words like when Amos shared these words about justice rolling down, he reminded the people that we cannot sing songs in God's house about bringing about God's kingdom here on earth without being moved to action on behalf of the oppressed in our daily lives. That one hurt. Words like when Amos used this phrase of justice rolling down, it's to remind the people of Israel, it's to remind us that it's simply not enough to say the words that we seek justice, that we seek equity in all of our worship service. He is telling us that as people of faith, that the people of God, our lives and our actions, that we are called to reflect the very character of our God, that image of God's faithfulness, of God's gentleness, of God being steadfast from generation to generation for loving kindness and bringing about God's shalom, that we are to reflect all of that as the people of God. 
that one hurt as well. As I went back and reviewed the words that I said in this very pulpit a little over a year ago, words like Amos understood that we and that we tend to ignore that when we call for God's justice to roll down, Amos understood that these aren't just words, that it's not about making transactions of like what you can do for me if I make justice for you, that this is a call for us to be in relationship with all of God's people. Amos is reminding us that it's messy, that justice strips us bare and it challenges us to see and to acknowledge, to fully embrace the humanity of each other. As I stood and listened and looked at these words again that I had shared over a little a year ago, I realized I was amazed at how far we had come in our conversations about justice and liberation, yet, yet I knew we are still a long way away from realizing this beautiful image of justice rolling down, of realizing justice being available, being accessible, from being the norm for all of God's people. As I reviewed these words from a sermon that I shared from this very place over a little a year ago, I realized that we have come so far, yet we are still not there in realizing the full embodiment of God's beloved community becoming reality for all of God's people here on earth. I have to tell you, I stayed in this very difficult yet encouraging place all week. This mindset of celebrating what we have achieved, yet disappointed that we knew we had so far to go. I stayed in that place and realized that is exactly where I need to be for a time such as this. You see this glance again at the prophet Amos reminded me that it is just that, a process. It's a beginning. It's a start to transformation. It's a reminder to all of us that this spiritual practice of justice and liberation, it's a way to begin a very needed journey. That we can always go back and restart again when we lose our way. That it is a point that we move forward, we continue making progress, continuing becoming the people that God calls us and needs us to be because we are a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. <clears throat> this glance at Amos's words is a reminder that justice, like water, is essential for life. And without it, communities cannot survive. Without it, people die. Without it, healing and wholeness cannot happen. As I thought about Amos' call for justice, as I thought about Matthew's call to lay down our burdens and find rest, to let go of the yoke that holds us, I realized that, again, this is how we begin the process of healing. This is how we begin the process of wholeness. This is how we begin making justice. And as I thought about all of this, the spiritual practice of confession came to mind. Now, I fully admit I have often and still struggle with this practice of confession. 
You can often ask some of the elders, I've asked, why do we do prayer confession within our worship service? And I need something, a better answer than we've always done it that way. I'm realizing that I have struggled with this practice of confession because I have seen and I've experienced the guilt and shame that is often tied with this particular practice and its association with sin. Because our conversation about confession and sin usually goes like, it's a way to help a bad person be better. For many years, I never understood the practice of confession until someone way smarter than me helped me redefine it and reclaim it. It wasn't until I read the words of Richard Rohr and he helped me figure out what it means. He talks about sin in this way of saying sin really is a way of we saying we miss the mark of being the people that God calls us to be. He said, we try to get to the arrow to hit the bullseye, but so often we miss. We try to do the right, th right thing, but as often as not, we make a mistake. We mess up. We sin. And unless you know something more than me about how to be a perfect person in this world, we rely on forgiveness. We rely on Jesus and know that grace is always necessary because we are always going to miss that mark. And he said, this is where confession comes in. It's a part of a process of telling the truth, of taking a look at where we missed the mark, of where we have not been the person that God created us and calls us to be. He says that confession is a way to dismantle and distangle ourselves from the destructive systems around us. So part of making justice in the world, part of liberation is telling the truth. Not because we are bad and awful people. We tell the truth because it helps us name the times we've missed the mark. Helps us name those things that are blocking us from seeing the full vision of God's kingdom being fully realized here on earth. We tell the truth because we let go of that stuff that prevents us from becoming the people that God created and calls us to be. Part of justice making is telling the truth, telling the truth about ourselves, telling the truth about our communities, telling the truth about the brokenness in our relationship, telling the truth about where it hurts in our hearts and in our lives so that we can fully embrace the humanity of each and every single person. Part of justice making is telling the truth so that healing and wholeness can begin. So we're gonna do that right now. I'm not asking you to confess everything because I don't have the time and I really don't wanna hear it this morning. <laughs> but what I'm inviting you to is just take a few moments and just sit and meditate and think about what has happened in your lives today or yesterday over the last week. Think about your interactions with your family, your friends, your coworkers, your strangers that you may have met on the street. Think about your history with the struggles, maybe with certain people, certain coworkers, certain family members. Think about what makes this hurt that happened. Think about points of joy and gratitude and contentment. 
Think about if there were things that you could change in your interactions with these people, what would it be? And I invite you just to take a few moments and think about those questions. Think about your interactions with others and name those moments where we have missed the mark. I invite you to come back. You see, the beauty about confession is that now that we know better, we do better. We have an opportunity to make justice right here in our own lives and in our community. And it doesn't have to be grand gestures like solving world hunger. It can simply be saying the words, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry. I made you angry. I'm sorry my actions brought you sadness. And in that moment, healing and wholeness can begin. So I invite all of us to take a few moments this week in our daily devotionals to tell the truth about our interactions with others. Because the vision of God's shalom coming here in full fruition for all of God's people is too important for us to ignore and pretend that what out there happens in, in the world doesn't affect us here in Midway, Kentucky. Let us find the courage and the strength to make justice by telling the truth so that healing and wholeness can begin. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this sermon podcast of the Midway Christian Church. If you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please go to our website at midwaychristian.org.